0: Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook 'em up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. I woke up to
2: the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. You had better. Well, let's get them up. Let's get him going. It is Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby on a Thursday. That is right. Four days and about 14 hours to the Longhorn Showdown with Washington. In the Sugar Bowl, semifinal round of the national championship, and we are all over it after a couple of days of well-earned download time. We are back at it and ready to go. Five hours of tremendous conversation begins right now on this Thursday, and we have a lot to talk about, a lot of Texas-Washington conversation. We hear from Steve Sarkeesian and Kaylin DeBoer, the head coach of Washington. The Horns and Huskies are on the ground in NOLA, New Orleans, as of yesterday, and they will really start to drill down on the game week prep. And the uh, final preparations for that big game on Monday night. Uh, we will talk about it for the next five hours. Also start to preview Week 16 in the National Football League, which hits off tonight. Also, there were four bowl games yesterday and last night, four more coming today, including the Alamo Bowl down in San Antonio, which promises to be a good good matchup. We'll preview that as well. Uh, got some hoops news as well. A lot to do. Five hours will maybe be enough as we get this thing cranked up on a Thursday morning. We appreciate you being there wherever you find us. Could be on 1019 FM. Could be AM 1260. And, of course, always streaming on that Horn app digitally. The numbers continue to grow. We appreciate you doing that, uh, sharing a friend and like kind of like, like stocking stuffers, telling a friend, hey, Find uh, Rod and the E and Rod B on the, uh, the Horn app, also at hornfm.com, all over the 512, all over the great state and all over the world, wherever you are rooting on the Longhorns. We will certainly be there for you with that Horn app, and uh, look who it is across the desk. He has uh, arrived in style as usual. He is ready to shut down his side at five hours uh, this morning, and every morning here on Hook'em Up with Ian B is their shutdown corner out of the 713 where he spent his Christmas holiday uh, down there in Houston, Texas, from DB High, down there in Houston, also from the 512 and DBU, a lifetime longhorn if there ever was one. He also spent four years in the NFL, now 16 years doing great radio and media here in Central Texas and uh, throughout the great state. He is our man, the uh, football theorist, Black Blackstead- on Thomas himself and proud Papa Baby Monroe, our man Rod Babers. How are you, Rod? Uh,
1: Doing great, brother. I appreciate the intro, as always, and the hospitality. Uh, Had a great holiday vacation. I hope everybody else out there enjoyed their Christmas holiday. How was your holiday, brother?
2: It was good, good. Uh, Didn't travel like you did down to Houston, but uh, stayed here, as usual, the Hogan crew at the house for uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas, and then took a couple days to Uh, unplug and get away, and uh, uh, now getting ready for this game. It's amazing. It's four days away now. We've been talking about it for three weeks and uh, getting ready to drill it down. The Longhorns arrived in New Orleans yesterday yesterday. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian met with, uh, they did a, a bowl press conference yesterday, which we'll hear from Sark and Kalen DeBoard. And, uh, uh, you know, we're looking forward to that. But how was yours, my friend? I know you went down to Houston. To, first good. for Christmas for you as a papa.
1: Yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was fun. Everybody down in Houston officially got a chance to meet the baby. So it was uh, it was jam-packed. But uh, it was good stuff, man. We actually uh, uh, got a chance to uh, see some folks from Louisiana. They came down. Uh, so it was one of those uh, big Christmases. Everybody wanted to see the baby. So it was it was one of those uh, filled with a lot. of. Of, uh, those those sentimental moments. Good. Those first time moments you won't be able a to recreate. Of, so,
2: well, and take pictures because yeah, it yeah, goes yeah, fast.
1: Yeah. Oh, we Oh, got tons of. I, I need a new phone. I, it's just I need. I gotta go to get a new phone a, asap. I got so many damn pictures of the baby. Like my now my apps aren't working and stuff. My memory <laughs> is old. It's all filled up and it's all just baby pictures It used to be just snapshots of stats And little nuggets and stuff I wanted to share with you guys Still got that but now I got Twice as many baby pictures so we gotta get a new phone But that's a good problem to have Also a good problem to have uh, is uh, you know Having to keep up with all the great folks In this community who serve this community And they do it each and every day and I know You guys enjoyed your holiday but uh, we want to make sure That we show uh, some love to those who serve Our society built on the selflessness of service uh, Whether it be God, country Or community we appreciate each and every one of you, the teachers, nurses, first responders, uh, the soldiers, uh, the officers of the law, you know who you are, all you can't name each and every one of you, but uh, just want to say thank you like we do every morning. We'll up.
2: All right, hook them up with Ian Rodby, and we appreciate you being there. Also appreciate your uh, conversation. You can get us on the message line, the text line, as always, 512. 512- Four four seven three seven seven six, and I opened up the messages this morning. People were mad that we weren't here yesterday, Ryder. On Tuesday, uh, we no, yeah, we, we, not... we, you and I haven't taken a, a show off since July when everything went down. Uh, maybe early, early, mm-hmm. early August, but uh, so we've been grinding pretty good. Take a couple of days, and yes, yeah, so we we appreciate that you wanted us to be there to uh, talk about the weekend. But uh, it was good to get away, talk decompress. About the Cowboys, a little... huh? Talk about them. Well, Cowboys and Texans uh, <laughs> both took Cowboys. tough losses over the weekend, yeah. and uh, you know, week sixteen and seventeen in the NFL promised to be full of drama. Oh, uh, Cowboys man. are at least in the playoffs, but their playoff uh, playoffs. Um, you know, they got a big game, kind of Saturday night. Rod, I'll be in. I'll be in New Orleans because uh, I'll be in New Orleans to watch the Cowboys and oh, Lions. Oh, I
1: heard y'all doing it big. I wish I could be there. That's all yeah. right. that's all right. It's gonna be. It's gonna be great. I'll be there in spirit.
2: Yeah, well, listen. i we'll do this show and tomorrow's <laughs> show, and I'll be here in Austin. But then it's uh, it's off to New Orleans uh, for Sugar Bowl coverage. Want to thank our friends at Hay City Store, Nice House, and Taste on Main and Butte uh, as our travel partners, getting us there. And we're looking forward to doing uh, getting there, getting all the coverage. And uh, I'm going to partner up once again, Rod, we in the station with Bobby Burton and the On uh, Texas Football crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some pregame coverage and uh, getting you ready for this game. So I'll be out there. So, yeah, that's for – I think maybe I'll go over to Harris Rod. I'll go to Harris and watch the uh, the Sugar Bowl. I like it. Uh, not the Sugar Bowl. The, uh, the Cowboys and Lions, which is a really big game in the NFC, safe to say. So we're looking forward to the weekend. We're also looking forward to this game uh, four days out. Hey, can we dive into the headlines, get you caught up on the news? It's a very busy Thursday morning. A lot going on. Make sure you're caught up as you get up and out. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment, new location coming for Top Gun. We'll tell you about that. They start, we start with college football. The third-ranked Longhorns arrived in New Orleans yesterday for a final few days of on-site prep for their showdown with second-ranked Washington in the All-State Sugar Bowl Monday night. It's part of the semifinal round of the college football playoff. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian led his team off the plane yesterday and believes his squad is ready to enjoy their trip to the Big Easy while maintaining focus on the task at hand.
3: Obviously, we want to take our time to make sure that we're putting forth uh, maximum effort to get ready for the game uh, but I also want to give our players a chance to experience this opportunity experience the city of New Orleans experience uh, what they've earned which is to be in the CFP but I think our players will will echo the same sentiment you know we're here to, to play our best football that we can play to to try to win a, a, a semifinal game to get into the national championship and so um, I think there's definitely a, uh, a workman like mentality that this team has but I want to make sure that they enjoy the experience as well because they've earned it.
2: Also from college football, four bowl games yesterday included a pair of wins for the Big 12 down in Houston. Last night, Oklahoma State took down Texas A&M 31-23 in the Texas Bowl. Houston uh, Cowboys quarterback Alan Bowman threw for 404 yards and a pair of touchdowns against a shorthanded Aggie squad. Also last night, USC topped Louisville 42-28 in the Holiday Bowl. Uh, Earlier in the day, West Virginia rolled past Drake Malus, North Carolina, in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, 30-10. Virginia Tech upset uh, Tulane in the Military Bowl. Four more games on tap today starting at 10 a.m. this morning. SMU will face Boston College in the Fenway Bowl in Beantown. That'll be followed by Rutgers in Miami in the Pinstripe Bowl. NC State meets Kansas State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl in Orlando. Then tonight should be a good one down at the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, 12th-ranked Oklahoma, facing 14th-ranked Arizona. If you missed it on Tuesday night, congrats to Texas State. Their fifth-year linebacker, Brian Holloway, returned a pair of interceptions for touchdowns. Jamil Jeter ran for three scores. They led the Bobcats to their first-ever bowl win in the first responders' bowl, first first one ever for the program, 45-21. Congrats to them. NBA last night, Phoenix down. Houston and the Mavericks lost at home to Cleveland 113-110. Earlier in the day NBA owners officially approved the sale of controlling interest of the Dallas Mavericks from Mark Cuban to the families that run the Las Vegas Sands Casino Company for somewhere in the neighborhood of $3.5 billion. College Hoops, fifth-ranked Texas women, finished off their non-conference schedule a perfect 13-0. They whipped Jackson State yesterday at Moody Center 97-52. They will open Big 12 conference play Saturday afternoon in a big one hosting 10th-ranked Baylor.
0: Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. TopGun.net, and we'll shoot you straight.
1: You know, one thing we didn't get a chance to talk about, and we'll get into it a little bit when we go behind the Burn Orange Garden, Raj Rand, I mean, we're talking a lot of Texas, Washington, obviously, all day long. We'll hear from uh, Sark and hear from Kalen DeBoer. They both did their uh, Sugar Bowl Press conferences when they got down there. So uh, they're they're pretty short, too. They're like seven, eight minutes. So we'll just play the whole thing. They they
2: both just got off the plane, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But the the offensive line for Washington won the Joe Moore Award. We'll get into that. For the best offensive line um, in the country. That was a little surprising. We'll get into some of the details about that, but it, it wasn't surprising. But it's uh, the, their road to get there, I think, is a, is a little unorthodox. Um, so I, I we'll, I'll, we'll get into that a little bit because their offensive line that's going to play a huge uh, role in the in the matchup. I was listening to an interview with Chris Peterson, former Washington Huskies head coach, who had been in the College Football Playoff actually against Alabama. Um, I believe what uh, was Sark on Sark actually was an analyst, I believe maybe on that Alabama staff around that time. Remember, that's when he said that's when he was really impressed with PK, I believe. Right, that was what that, was that matchup. If yeah. I'm not mistaken, he he referenced that. But either way, Chris Peterson said he thinks the key matchup will be the offensive line for Washington versus the Texas defensive line and defensive front. He said uh, Washington is the best pass protecting offensive line in the country. You can make that argument. Only oh, allowed 18 sacks in the last two years, and the Texas defensive front. You could argue there's no better, there's there's no uh, more uh, pronounced strength for Texas all throughout the season than the best D tackle duo in the country.
2: Yeah. Well, and we've talked about it for for a few weeks now, Rod, getting ready for this game. I mean pressure on Michael Penix is Penix is gonna be a key. Uh they, you can't let him stand back there and uh you know throw to his, his you know trio of receivers against a Texas secondary that at times can be susceptible, especially with the Derrick Williams suspension and others. So I mean to me pressure on the quarterback is is massive uh, can they get it against, as you said, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line? I know Longhorn fans have made a lot about the the, the 280-pound center for Washington that uh, can he hold up against Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy. <clears throat> this is what the chess match is, Rod. Both teams should be healthy, or at least as healthy as they've been since the start of the year. Both teams have had a month to prep for it. Uh, what does PK bring to get pressure on Michael Penix? What does uh, Kalen DeBoer and his group do to protect their quarterback? Uh, because I don't think they're going to be able to run the football. I know they were able against Oregon in that uh, Pac-12 championship game. They kind of pulled the surprise party and 28 carries for the running back. I don't know that that's going to work against Texas. We haven't seen anybody run on Texas this year. But uh, Michael Penix certainly can be efficient in the passing game, and as you've talked about, Rod, going down the field. But you got to have time to do that, right? So that becomes the the really. The, I would I would agree with Chris Peterson. That's the the key matchup of this game in my mind. If the Longhorns can get the better of it, they've got a real chance to win that game. Uh, but Michael Penix is a dangerous player when 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 not pressured.
1: Yeah, and you know you were just you know kind of referencing it there about the running game. I don't. They're definitely not going to be able to run at Texas. That's pretty much the Andre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins. They can't run at Texas. Jay- forward. Um, Teams try to run either around Texas or at the edges of Texas. That's their best chance. Or they have unorthodox, uh, unconventional run games, which are the quarterback run game. Uh, We've seen teams use kind of the the uh, extension of the run game, which are screen passes, um, or the uh, if you look at the end of rounds, the, the wide receiver uh, reverses and the end of rounds that Oklahoma used against Texas, that's really the only way to truly run the ball against Texas, and they can deploy some of those strategies and techniques. Uh, I do wonder if every now and then Michael Penix will be encouraged to just run the football. Yeah. I mean, this guy, I know he, he got multiple ACL surgeries, but, you know, I always say to win big games, you got to break tendency. That's what Oklahoma did, right? Dylan Gabriel had his most prolific rushing game in it of his career versus Texas. That was their ultimate way to break tendency and an unconventional way to run the football against Texas. Not saying they're going to do that a lot with Michael Penix, but this guy's a track star in high school before his ACL injuries. And he can move. They move the pocket, actually, a lot. That will be one of the ways that they try to neutralize the in- interior pass rush for Texas. They'll just move the pocket and have him roll to his left or roll to his right. Um, that's why the edges for Texas are key in how, they, how Texas decides to fortify those edges. So it'll be, yeah, it's a chess match going on, a continuous chess match. I, I'm with you. I think they'll shut down the conventional running game. Right. But what about the unconventional running game? What about the extension of the running game? What about them deciding, you know what, we're going to attack the edges, which Dylan Johnson, most of his runs are actually to the edge. They want to run to the edges,
2: and he had the big game in that Pac-12 championship game against Oregon, uh, as they improved to 13 and 0. (laughs) You know, it's funny talking to a lot of Longhorn fans through the holiday and just Mm -hmm. uh, you know previewing the matchup. You know, fans do this. Fans will find the worst performances of their opponent, right? Well, what about the Arizona State game? And what about Oregon's this Oregon State game? game? Yeah. Well, you can find those for Texas, too. I mean, yeah. Texas fans will find their best performances against mm-hmm. Washington. Tech, Washington, Washington. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. man, have you seen us? We've been what boxing people. Yeah. What, yeah. Well, but I always remind yeah. people, like, hey, look, y'all, they're 13-0. They're 13. That's hard to do. They won them. It's very difficult to do. They yeah. won those games. So I would give, just like we'd give Texas credit for being resilient, <laughs> And finding ways to win tough, hard-fought games on the road against Houston with an injured quarterback, and uh, finding a way to to, to rally back and, and beat K-State with by, around Malik Murphy, uh, without your starting quarterback. I mean, those are that's that's signs of resiliency. Both teams have them, and both teams have really good players. I mean, Texas probably has the better and more talented overall roster. Uh, but at the same time, man, their 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 goods are pretty good. Uh, their goods are really good. They're going to have an NFL quarterback, uh, three NFL receivers, and here's the thing, Rod, about that Texas defense and the pressure and PK. You know, last year, the Longhorns lost 27 to 20 in the Alamo Bowl against this same team, and the Longhorns didn't have a single sack in that game, Mm-mm. and they didn't have a single tackle for loss in that game. Uh, so that 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 has to change no in this negative game. Plays. Yeah, they didn't force a negative play in the game. They had one interception that was Jaron Thompson. Uh, in that football game. I mean, you guys, I know you've gone back and watched that game several times. I was, I was at it at the game and um, going back and looking at some of the. Uh, the it, it's amazing Texas only lost by seven points. I mean, it felt like Washington controlled the game uh, having, having uh, been there. But at the same time, Texas has to impact, impact Michael Penix more. Uh, they know that. Uh, they've got to come with a strong game plan, both sides of the ball. If they do, you give. Te- I think Texas has a real chance to win this football game, without a doubt. Same time, they've got to be more impactful and more more pressure oriented on this Washington offense because it's really efficient. And you know, just like Texas will be as healthy as they've been in a you know all season. Rod Michael Penix, who you told the story last week or before we took the break. About you know playing with a cracked rib and having to be driven back from that oh, Arizona Roma State, Dunze. Game. yeah. Oh, the the receiver, yeah, Roma, receiver Dunze. Roma Dunze. Yeah, Roma Dunze. Yeah. Then there's also been talked that Michael Penix almost was a scratch from a couple of games this year because of injuries. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously Quinn missed a couple of games for Texas. It's just both teams are healthy. Both teams have really good coaches and coaching staffs and have had a month to prepare. That's what it was going to make this a really really fun football game to, to, to chew on and get ready for and then. Take in on Monday night.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you uh, brought up the, the health in that same Chris Peterson interview that I referenced. And maybe tomorrow I'll try to get some pieces of that and we can actually uh, listen to it. But he also talked about how there's so much time off now that coaches are balancing trying to infuse some physicality and some intensity into practice. but you also just want guys to be healthy. Yeah. You, you, your biggest fear, he said, as a coach is to have guys get injured in practice. He said you, you safeguard against that uh, for, you know, at all, uh, at all costs. And I think he said he even regretted later on in his coaching career um, being a little too soft during the bowl practices because he just wanted guys to make sure they were healthy um, f- for whatever bowl they had, of course, if it's a big bowl like this. So I think Sark and most coaches, if he referenced that, are probably, in, from my experience, they err on the side of caution. That's why the young guys get so many reps. The older guys, they get reps. And even Sark mentioned this, and we'll talk about this when we hear from Sark. Um, he's talking. He references they went good on good to avoid the, I don't know, the the kind of lackadaisical maybe malaise that could set in when you had that much time off and you went to go hang out with your family and you, you know, I mean, you yeah, you, know, you, you really talk about that downtime. You know, you've been riding this, this intense high all season long um, on this regimen, on a schedule, you know, crystallized focus, and then it comes this period where you relax and you exhale. And he always talked about guard, and guarding against that is important, but also, hey, man, you can't be hitting at practice too much when you got that much time off because guys are going to get hurt this late in the season. That's why guys are as healthy as they are because coaches don't really hit in practice. now with, with your front-line guys. Sure. Your younger guys are getting a lot of that work. Yeah. In the bowl practices uh,
2: and, and trying to improve your depth for the long haul and, yeah. and you know, for the good of the program. And you're right. I mean, we saw that uh, go back with Texas, right? I mean, they, they played the Rice game to start the season, and they weren't nearly as physical as Sark wanted them to be. If you remember, mm-hmm. knowing they were going to Alabama the next week, yep. and according to Sark, they got real physical in practice that week, saying, look, we, we're going to get smoked if we go up there, and um, you because know, they couldn't push Rice around in week one, and people are, like, oh, my gosh. Um, they got pretty physical. So you wonder now that they're in New Orleans, you just mm-hmm. heard Sark in the headlines talking about, we want to enjoy the big easy in this trip. They've earned that. But at the same time, you may yep. need, to, you may need to, to roll the dice a little bit, Rod, and get, get head on head here a little bit. Yeah. And these last couple of workouts before, but you know, as you said, it's the it's what keeps coaches up nights. That somebody'll get a key player will get uh, you know rolled up, up on, and or you know, and freak freak thing because you yeah. go too hard. Never
1: forgive yourself as a coach. <laughs> you won't. You're like, oh man. Yeah,
2: you've you got to this point, and <laughs> you're you've gotten fresh and healthy, but you also got to get game ready. I mean, you know, yeah. boxers talking about it, right? You got to you got to exactly spar. Right. Yeah. You got to take on take on some tough competition ahead of uh, that big big bout. Are you? You might get knocked down the first round if you're not careful. That's, exactly That's the right. way that can go. Also, before we took uh, took the break, Rod, and uh, enjoyed the holiday, uh, we'll get into this coming up throughout the Burn Orange Curtain as well. But the Longhorns received a couple of Christmas gifts right ahead of Christmas that we didn't get to talk about. But on Friday night, right before the signing window closed, Aaron Butler, highly touted four-star wide receiver from Calabasas, California, Kind of looks like on film an Xavier Worthy (laughs) kind (laughs) of player. He He chose the Longhorns over Washington, Arizona. Comes from California, likes X-Man. He, you know, rounded out the Longhorns at least early window high school class. 23 players, uh, the fourth wide receiver. Remember back on uh, Wednesday of last week when Sark did his press conference, he talked about we're not, probably not done at wide receiver. Well, we were wondering who that was. One of the names we threw out there was Aaron Butler, and he became uh, the Longhorns' 23rd high school prospect on Friday night. Six-foot, 170-pounder, legitimate track speed, Rod. Uh, you see him out there running the 200 meters and 21-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. You know, um, once committed to Deion Sanders in Colorado, also committed to USC at some one point along the process, ends up signing with and is officially a Texas Longhorn. Then on Saturday, the Longhorns received their third major transfer portal commitment when UTSA edge rusher Trey Moore, the nation's number one rated edge rusher, according to On3 Sports and other um, outlets out there, Rod chose Texas over Alabama. So that really means the Longhorns hit on all three of their top portal prospects through the portal season. Uh, Clemson safety Andrew Makuba, the local product, uh, Houston receiver Matthew Golden, and then the UTSA edge rusher Trey Moore, all three, will be uh, joining the Longhorns in January.
1: Yeah, when we talked about how Texas was very selective in the transfer portal, they wanted to supplement the uh, roster with transfer portal guys but still have a homegrown, organic approach to building the roster through just you know regular recruiting or let's say traditional recruiting. And the guys that they they pinpointed were, you know, Matthew Golden. They needed the guy as soon as, as soon as he was in the port available, I don't know, forty eight hours so forty-eight to seventy two hours and he was already committed to Texas. Uh the Trey Morwin obviously took a long time, but from everyone that we talked to and a lot of the insiders, they were pretty confident that Texas was gonna be, you know, the one of the front runners, if not the front runner, to get his commitment and Texas you know, they they didn't seem like they were interested. I didn't hear a lot of names about pass rushers in the transfer port. It seemed like he was the guy that they wanted in the well, transfer Well, they wanted production,
2: and you talked yeah. about that from the very beginning. Guys who have produced on the field, not yeah. star prospects, what they were coming out of high school, dudes who have shown up and played in Matthew Golden. Uh, Andrew McCuba and uh, Trey Moore have certainly done that. I mean, three seasons for McCuba, certainly two seasons for Trey Moore as a disruptive force for UTSA. And, it's, you know, you give Trey Moore the the credit that, you know, coming out of high school at Smithson Valley, he didn't really get recruited. Like, he kind of got caught up in that COVID, mm. you know, era, which a lot of players did. And so he, he took his time. He took his time. He went to Alabama. He went to Texas. He really, uh, you know, went through the recruiting process. Uh, this is probably his last move and ends up choosing Texas. So uh, three guys who I think can be, you know, whether they're starters or not, impact players, impact players immediately. And we saw the Longhorns hit on some impact guys last offseason in the portal as well with A.D. Mitchell will be a big fate feature on uh, on Monday night. Also, the punter Ryan Sanborn was a key guy that they targeted and uh, brought in, and he was um, you know, exactly what they wanted in the punting spot on the specialty teams. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they hit in those regards, and I think they feel like they've got three really good players here that can yep. come in and help for next year. Totally. And, and then 23 high school players. And as you said, right, Sarkin wants to be a program that builds – traditionally through the high school ranks we talk about the high school recruiting being like the NFL draft mm-hmm. you want to you want to build your team mostly through the draft in the NFL and mostly through high school recruiting but then as you said supplement and uh, dabble in free agency dabble in the transfer portal but guys that you know can play you've seen it they've produced and they fit what you want to do culture wise
1: yep totally agree and i mean most of, you got most of that class uh, from 2024 is going to be coming in early. I mean, oh got, my gosh, I believe you know 20 early enrollees. If you end up counting the the transfer portal guys too, so you, you're going to get an infusion of talent, and that's the talent acquisition phase that you're dealing with now. Instead of just recruiting and transfer portal, you're just looking at it like you said from a more professional standpoint because of NIL, it being uh, you know inextricably linked to the transfer portal and now in recruiting too. I mean, you're just looking at a, a, a personnel department <laughs> and looking at acquisitions, and your acquisition now, you want those guys to be able to contribute as early as possible. That's what's happening. I mean, I, this is an unprecedented amount of early enrollees. I you think it's 21. It? It, that, it's, it's unbelievable. If, it's, if you
2: count the three portal guys who will be enrolling in January, I think it's 19 high school players, because Aaron Butler, who committed on Friday night, he was a, he's an early enrollee as well. So I think it's 18 or 19, and then three portals. So you're, you know, over 20 of your yeah. – because, I mean, the total class is 23 high school, three portals, so that's 26. I think 21 of them are going to be rolling in here in January. It's crazy. To be a part of spring practice, uh, which is, you know, uh, you know, as Sark said last Wednesday, that's the biggest change. I mean, he talked about mm-hmm. the changes in, in the landscape of portal and NIL and everything. He said the biggest change to him is these guys getting here early and, you know, getting assimilated to college and the college life. Um, you know, getting away from their parents for the first time and their families and their friends, but then just immersing themselves in the program That's right. and just accelerates their ability to help the team mm-hmm. next fall, uh, without a doubt, because then they'll participate in the spring. And Sark talked about the ability to actually, you know, have a really, really productive spring practice where ones are against threes, twos are against fours, and yep. they're, they're practicing and repping on two fields and really getting after it to develop the program. And as you, you knew, Rod, know, Rod, when you played at Texas, When there's a really talented roster... Top to bottom, and, and steel sharpening steel, and guys working against really good players. That's how the entire roster gets better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's for the future. And we'll talk about that, obviously. But wanted to get that out there. Uh, we'll talk more about the uh, the build of the where this thing is headed into the Southeastern Conference. But obviously, more importantly, four days and about 14 hours plus from now, the Longhorns will be on the field at the Sugar Bowl uh, in New Orleans, meeting Washington, number two against number three. And we're really going to drill down on it. Rod, we'll have some behind the burn orange curtain coming. We'll get some what the facts before the end of this first hour of our. Five-hour Thursday morning conversation. Appreciate you being there. We'll get to week 16 in the NFL as well. Cowboys, Texans, and tonight's game. Also, the other top stories out there. But a lot of Texas-Washington chatter here over the next five hours. We appreciate you being there. Here on 101.9 AM 1260. Streaming on the Horn app and always at hornfm.com.
0: Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers. Hook them up. 101.9 AM 1260. The Horn
2: Hope you had a great uh, holiday season. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy Kwanzaa, which happened uh, on Tuesday, I believe, with Kwanzaa.
1: Hey, there you go. Oh, man. Man, whatever That's
2: you're your holiday season was it was all about we appreciate you being back with us we took a couple days to um, unplug and decompress we're ready to roll we got four days to the uh, sugar bowl. we've got uh, bowl games tonight including something called the pop tarts bowl rod which we'll preview coming up the pop Tarts Bowl. formerly known as the camping world bowl formerly known as the champ sports bowl whatever the game is in orlando and I think there are 32 players for both teams tonight, K State and NC State in the pro, in the portal. Hmm. So we we call it the transfer portal Pop Tart Bowl potentially. <laughs> and it's amazing to watch. Is is it fair to say the bowl games right are going the way of the flip phone? You know, real fast here to where you almost aren't sure if they're on or not. And I was watching the A and M game last night, and it's like who's on their team? They'll, I think they only like 48 scholarship players available for. Whoever was coaching their team last night, I don't even not even sure I'm with you. Elijah Robinson, who's on his way to Syracuse. I don't, whatever Mike Elko's up in the booth on TV. It's hard to keep up, man. It, and it you know
1: between that and the eligibility of guys, you have oh, no yeah. idea what's going on. Yeah.
2: Now Oklahoma State seemed to take the game pretty seriously last night because uh, they, they rolled it up on the Aggies, and Ollie Gordon mm-hmm. had another hundred yard game, and uh, the Doak Walker winner, Alan Bowman threw for four bills. And they torched the Aggie secondary, but, you know, that hardly looks like what the, what the Aggies are going to be moving forward, they hope. But uh, either way, that, that was last night. Tonight there are four more games, including I think the Arizona-Oklahoma game it could be a pretty interesting game. The Alamo Bowl typically delivers as far as entertainment value, and that's tonight. That's the 8 o'clock kick tonight with uh, Oklahoma and Arizona. How about Brett Venables in the lead-up to that game saying, man, watching Arizona on film, this, this might be the best team we've played all year long.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is he really? That's an insult. Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me, that's a face. backhanded slap at
2: the uh, the Come burnt on, orange man. for sure. Best uh, <laughs> team
1: played all year long. Come on, Brendan. Why, why would you say something like that? Because he's a
2: Sooner, I guess. I don't know. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah they, they, you know, he was trying to pump up his opponent and, and give them some credit, but obviously that also – Smacks back at everybody in the Big 12, including the long uh, Yeah. Now, because they didn't play anybody in the non-conference. Let's be honest about that. They played nobody in their non-conference
1: schedule. But you and, got a, there's a team in the Cops football playoff. Yeah. You're talking about yeah. the best team you played. They're, they're, a, they're a good team. They're, I mean, but come on now. That's ridiculous.
2: Maybe if he said the –
1: One the, of. I had just put that, if he really wanted to stick of. the
2: dagger, he could have said, That's, this, this might be the best team we, we didn't beat this year. Because mm. <laughs> of course they beat Texas, yeah, uh, in that great game up at the Cotton Bowl. But either way, we'll get you ready for the ball games. If you know, if you're, you're you know, we're trying to find the uh, cool stuff. But obviously, the the big ones are what matters. On Monday, uh, there's some pretty good games into the weekend and huge games this weekend in the NFL. Rod, which starts tonight with oh, with Joe Flacco and the Resurgent Cleveland Browns hosting the New York Jets tonight. Also coming up in our What the Facts? Rod, I'll get you this. It is official thought? now. Looks like the Russell Wilson trade will go down as is one of the worst trades in NFL history. Uh, with the news coming out of Denver yesterday that Russell Wilson is going to get benched and then Best. get cut uh, by Sean Payton. We'll get you details on that. But right now, can we go behind the burn orange curtain? Because it's all Texas. It's all Washington. It's the Sugar Bowl. Let's hit it. And
0: they asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain?
1: The Longhorns uh, arrived in, um, they arrived in, I believe, New Orleans on the 26th, and so did Washington, if I'm not mistaken. And when they got down there, of course, uh, they were welcomed. Um, by a lot of uh, the uh, bowl uh, <laughs> officials and a lot of the Longhorn fans, actually, who are already down there too, celebrating and having a good time. They decide to spend their holidays down uh, in New Orleans and get ready for it. Uh, but they also spoke to the media, both coaches, Kalen DeBoer as well as Steve Sarkeesian, but about eight minutes. So it's not that long. Um, so we can play the whole thing and then discuss what Steve Sarkeesian um, spoke about. But here's Steve Sarkeesian at the Sugar Bowl introductory uh, media availability. Uh, for the coaches
3: uh well this is uh exciting for the week to finally be here uh, we uh you know when you when you play a conference championship game and then you don't get to play again for another month um uh, takes a while right there's a process to get to that point too but to uh finally make it to new orleans i got my beads on feel good i know our our team's excited uh, we're excited to play a quality opponent in the university of washington a ton of respect for them uh in the all-state sugar bowl which is, which is a great honor in the cfp so um great opportunity uh fortunate to be here and um looking forward to the ball game in a week
2: coach the way you've recruited the new orleans area is this starting to feel like a second home for you
3: well i i just think the natural proximity helps us um we we joke sometimes on the staff we never know when east texas ends and louisiana begins right and so uh, from a proximity standpoint, it, it's very natural for us to recruit Louisiana. Uh, naturally, we have a couple coaches on staff who do a heck of a job uh, recruiting recruiting the state. Uh, we've been fortunate to, to sign some really good players uh, that, that are really good on our team right now, and, and hopefully that can continue. Uh, we know that this state produces a ton of talent, and so uh, for us to be able to, to make some inroads here recruiting and now to be playing in the Sugar, Sugar Bowl, um, it's it's naturally you know I think helpful for us,
0: coach. You've uh, you've been in bowl games and you've also were in a playoff situation at Alabama a couple of years. How do you treat this different from a regular bowl game? And what have you done to uh, maybe implement the? What did you learn first from being in Alabama in the playoffs like that? And what have you done to implement that this this week?
3: I think I think one of the keys is you do a you do a lot of the structural work from a game planning perspective back home, right? Because we have so much time, um, you know, we kind of take a week to really implement what we want to do when we're back at home. Uh, when we're here, obviously we want to take our time to make sure that we're putting forth uh, maximum effort to get ready for the game. Uh, but I also want to give our players a chance to experience this opportunity, experience the city of New Orleans, experience uh, what they've earned, which is to be in the CFP. But I think our players will, will echo the same sentiment. You know, we're here to, to play our best football that we can play to, to try to win a, a, a semifinal game to get into the national championship. And so, um, I think there's definitely a, um, a workman-like mentality that this team has, but I want to make sure that they enjoy the experience as well because they've earned it.
2: Uh, Steve, obviously you are peaking at the right time at the end of the year, now you're a month off. As an offensive guy, how do you keep an offense in rhythm and in sync when you don't get to play for a month?
3: Yeah, you know, I I think part of it was making sure that we did enough good on good in practice, uh, especially early on in the prep, that we kept uh, the speed of of the competitiveness of what a game would feel like in a practice setting, Uh, not necessarily to scrimmage all the time, but um, at the line of scrimmage, offensive linemen need to feel the speed and physicality of our defensive line. Uh, our DBs need to feel the speed and the rhythm of our passing game because that's that's critical to you know when that ball gets kicked off next Monday night, it's gonna it's all gonna be fast. And so we have to make sure that we're playing as to to our tempo and to our speed. Uh, I think too, you know, when when you implement it implement a game plan uh, what I've learned is you you don't want to give it to them all at once uh, because ultimately then it can become monotonous um, and so we, we try to kind of kind of keep giving them things as the day comes and to keep their interest really perked and, and on point and make sure that practice is upbeat and, and energetic and that we've got a lot of positive vibes going in our building and on the practice field and and, uh, and I think that our guys have responded well to that.
0: Steve, the messaging has been pretty consistent throughout the year from yourself and the players about each week being a championship week. And you talked about the workmanlike mentality. How does that help the team kind of not get overwhelmed by this atmosphere at the Sugar Bowl and really be able to be laser focused just on the task at hand?
3: Well, I, again, I think one thing that's helped us this year, we, we've played in some pretty tough environments, right? We've, we've had to go on the road and um, you know, naturally you know, playing in Tuscaloosa was helpful for us. Um, playing in the big 12 championship game uh, in Arlington was good for us. Um, And to not be too enamored with the outside and what was going on outside, but stay focused on us. We have a simple adage, be enamored with us. um, And we try to keep our focus internal. um, And so that when the games come, it's about what we've prepared to go do and not what might be going on around us. And um, a, a lot of times when you get into these settings, um, the world around you is pretty chaotic, right? We, we talk about all the time as a team, like what's going on around us is very chaotic. We want to make sure that we're a steady C and that we're focused on what we need to do. We're very calm when the moment comes, um, regardless of the circumstances, because adversity is going to strike. It's going to strike in this ball game. And, but us, us keeping our, our composure, us keeping our poise is going to be critical to our success. Hey, Coach. Kind of along those lines, not getting too enamored with New Orleans and the fun that you have this week. How, how do you? What, what do you need to see to know your guys are in the right mindset as you go through the week? Well, I think that started back home. You know, when, when you listen to our leaders talk, and when you guys get a chance to visit with them, um, I think their focus is already there. You know, um, you know, na- naturally, um, how we prepare, how we practice is going to tell me a lot what are they talking about? You, know, you listen to conversations You know when we're on the bus and what's going on. But I also don't want us to be so over the top so early uh, that, that we're exhausted by the time the game comes. So we operate pretty well as a group when we're loose. Um, we have a lot of fun together as a team. Um, but I also think that this group knows how to when it's time to really be focused and locked in, that they have the ability to do that. And so I don't think that we need to change a whole lot. Uh, I think that we already know kind of how to do that. Um, and so, you know, trusting on our training to get us to this point, I think will be big as well. Your staff had a month to prepare for them, their staff had a month to prepare for you. Yeah. Does that change how you go about things, or do you just try to, you know, what, how do you deal with that extra time? Well, it presents a heck of a challenge. Um, you know, obviously a lot of what we do early on is look at ourselves first. You know, what, what are our tendencies? What do we need to what, – what, where are we giving away too much in, in any phase, offense, defense, or special teams? Two, knowing that, you know, Washington staff and, and the staff, Coach DeBoer and, and his crew, they're great coaches and, and they do a heck of a job. And so uh, knowing that they've had the same amount of time that we've had um i think is is understanding you know as you navigate your way through it but at the end it all comes back to let's not outsmart ourselves uh and let's make sure that we do the things that we do well um and let's make sure that we continue to do those things well uh as we game plan and 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 put some of the fluff around it one final question Um, steve since there has been finals some off time holidays since you all are back together and this is this is go time. Is the team's focus where you want it to be? I love where our team's at. Um, I, I really thought uh, when we came back to work, um, whatever that was, you know, really getting back to it. I think it was the twenty second. Not excuse me, end of the twenty second, but whenever that was, like a couple of Fridays ago. I don't even know the dates anymore. It's been a long month. Um, they were ready, you know. Our guys were ready, you know. I I don't think they even wanted to stop practicing, they, but they I know I knew that they needed it. We were a little fatigued by that by that Big Twelve Championship game. Um, this was a heck of a week we just had last week. Uh, they had a few days for there for the holidays, and and we came back the last two days and had two really good days of work. I like the mentality, so I am. I I feel good about where we're at. I know that the hay is not in the barn for us. We've got work to do this week while we're here uh, to put ourselves in the best position to be successful.
1: All right, that's Sark uh, media availability for the Sugar Bowl. Uh, one thing I thought was really interesting, and you heard him say it earlier, that you know they they got after it at one point. Um, he chose to go good on good, and he talked about the defense. The offensive line needs to feel the rhythm of their defensive front. I'm talking about basically getting their offensive line some quality reps against high-level competition so that they aren't necessarily shell-shocked after a, almost a month being off. And he talked about their DBs essentially filling or at least being able to compete against the rhythm of their offense. I think he's talking about their elite wide receiving core and testing some of the, uh, these troubleshooting. Some of the troublesome areas are the problematic areas for Texas in that secondary, which is going to be how do we cover without Derrick Williams? Our best coverage safety for the first half. What are our adjustments? Is it moving today? Barron to safety. What is it going to be? Let's right now, because if you look at the Washington and the Texas offense, honestly, there's a very, there's a doppelganger feel to it. Washington's offense operates a little slower. They're about 75th in the country in plays per minute. Um, so Sark likes to operate a little bit more up-tempo. but A lot of pre-snap motions and shifts. We know Sark loved the vertical shots before he had to curtail them. They are the most vertically-centric offense in the country and really good at it. High-level quarterbacks, really good. This is probably one of the top three best matchups for wide-receiving cores in the country. Their DBs won't be surprised or you know, awed by the great um, skill, dynamic, skill, talent of Texas wide receiving core because they face it in practice themselves. So I'm sure Caleb DeBoer doing some of the same things. Their weakness is their pass defense. It's a really doppelganger-like feel to these teams, and I bet Sark wanted to essentially troubleshoot his defense um, where he knows they're going to attack, and we know we everybody knows where they're going to attack.
2: Yeah, well, and Michael Penix is is an elite p- thrower of the football. I mean, he yeah. really can throw it, and he's got three really good receivers. You know, as want to get into this with you, Rod, as we move forward. We'll get to some what the facts coming up. Also, congratulate the Texas State Bobcats on their first ever bowl win hey. down there at Texas State. Props to Don Coryell the AD, and GJ yes, Kenney. What a night that was in Fort Worth or in, in Dallas. How about the fact that they drank the uh, the place out of beer? By the third quarter. Is that is that real? That is real. Wow. The Texas State fans showed up and they ran out of beer at showed SMU. Showed up and poed up. By third quarter. Like, by the third quarter. Showed up and pulled up. Is there up. anything more on brand than Texas State, the party school, <laughs> drinking them out of beer? Uh, but that was pretty awesome. So we'll get to some of the other bowl games and what the facts. But I want to get with you. You, uh, you. you prepared for a lot of good receivers as a cornerback in college and the pros. Uh, let's get some scouting reports on this, on Roma Dunze and, uh, uh, gosh, I mean, this is a really good core Jaylen, guys.
1: Taylor McMillan, they're good. They're
2: good. Yeah. And I want your thoughts on them as a corner, but also, as you said, Texas can simulate that for their corners in practice, right? You can, they can. You throw an X-Man, an A.D. Mitchell, uh, Jay Witt. They can throw some really good three NFL receivers of their own at these guys to go good on good and try to sharpen this for, for what should be a heck of a game on Monday night. We'll come back, hit that. We go all morning. we got uh, five hours of tremendous conversation this morning getting ready for Washington and Texas in the Sugar Bowl plus the other bowl games. Week 16 in the NFL, all part of a busy Thursday. Aaron, on Hook'Em Up with Ian Rodby.
0: Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'Em Up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn.
1: Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today.
2: I want All right, Rod be Babers, you ready for some What the Facts, including the uh, Big 12? Off to a 3 0 start so far in their bowl game. 3 0 start. Congrats to the Big 12. Baby. West Virginia 30, North Carolina 10, Oklahoma State 31, Texas AM 23 last night, Kansas. Rolled over UNLV out there in the uh, guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix, 30, uh, 49, 36. So guaranteed three and 0, So guaranteed rate
1: bowl. Yes. Wow. There you go. Yes. How much do these bowl sponsorships cost? Uh, it depends on the bowl. I am not sure. Just surprised that like Barstool had jumped on one of
0: these. They do so have I'm one. Sure, they will. will the Barstool does. The Arizona Bowl is the Barstool Bowl now.
1: All right.
2: Oh. I think it already. I,
0: I think it might be coming up soon. It might have happened. I don't know. Bowl season doesn't mean the same to me anymore. I, I, like I said, I don't pay attention, so I don't really well, – If your know, school's
1: in much. it,
2: and because somebody mentioned Texas State. I mean, we mentioned Texas State. I mean, give props to – that was huge for that program. I mean, uh, uh, to to be – you know, that was a day after Christmas night game uh, or late afternoon into the evening uh, up there in Dallas. And, you know, that's the first time that program's ever been in a bowl. So it, it does mean a lot to them. And it was good for G.J. Kinney to get some national eyeballs on his program, how fast they play, how uh, aggressive they play. And uh, now their defensive coordinator, by the way, is off to, uh, to work where, it, where he got hired, where he got hired somewhere. Um, um, oh, Manny Diaz hired him do, uh, to do
1: okay.
2: to come in, uh, the defense coordinator at Texas State. So, you know, that, that's good. But, again, for, in a large measure, measure, bowl games
1: don't mean what they used to. Same time, Big 12's 3-0 so far. 3-0. Three beautiful thing. 3-0. Uh, yeah, you're right, Ty. It was a 2022 Arizona Bowl, so they already jumped on it. I'm late.
0: They might nervous. not be doing it this year. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. You, you, you know how they I roll. It's very uh, just, it's it was very a commit to, yeah. commit to the bit thing. Commit
1: to Big the Cat, bit. They had Big Cat. If
0: you know who Big Cat Dan Katz is, yeah. he sung the national anthem, and they had like okay. one of their employees uh, come in on uh, like he he dropped in from a plane before the game. Nice. They did it. They had a few uh, of their employees call the game. It was cool.
1: Nice.
2: All right. Well, Ticket mean, remember our, tickets, our friends at Ticket City had a bowl game for a while. That's Ticket right. Ticket City Bowl up Shout in out. Dallas played at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Shout out to Ticket City. Yeah. <laughs> you can get one. Pop-Tarts has one now. Pop-Tart. That'll be the Pop-Tart Bowl. The
1: Pop-Tart Bowl. Pop-Tarts making a comeback or something? Like
0: I guess.
2: I don't know that they ever went away. My yeah. kids love Pop-Tarts. The
0: weirdest one to me is how the Tostitos, like I think a Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, and now it's the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. That doesn't, oh, yeah. that doesn't well, roll off yeah, the that, tongue that, as much as well.
2: Well, that's well, none of them. I mean, that, that Pop-Tart Bowl, which is tonight or today was the Camping World Bowl and it was yeah. the you know yeah. this and that bowl it's been you know they they're they're looking for a sponsor every year Yeah
1: exactly they they like i think they like rotating the sponsorships actually now instead of having like one main sponsor because you have so much obligation to try to please that sponsor and you know to uh, the exclusivity have yeah, right, yeah, yeah. having that one sponsor. Now they're like, no, we can pitch it to anybody. We can yeah. pitch to anybody, and we can pitch to any industry. Now it ain't just one industry or one company. No, no, no. We can – anybody. We're up for grabs pretty much.
2: Well, and, you know – We're a you, billboard. Well, look, think about <laughs> next year. Like, if you think the bowl games this year are, are not as uh, meaningful and, and they've been trending this direction, next year when there's a 12-team playoff and there are playoff games mm-hmm. through December – because I've always said one of the reasons there are so many bowl games is ESPN mainly, ESPN was looking for TV programming during a slow yeah, time I of the holiday that, season. Right about that. Uh, so they'll, they'll help back them, and they're looking for TV programming. When people are taking off time from work through the holidays, uh, you flip on the TV and it's just on, um, whether you're really paying attention to it or not. Uh, but, you know, now ESPN is going to be in on, you know, potentially carrying these playoff games.
0: SMU plays year. at 10 a.m. today.
2: Yeah, in the Fenway
0: Bowl in oh, Boston.
1: that's, uh, you know what, that's kind of fun. But watching,
2: nobody's going to watch it. I'm going to start
0: watching it during the show and pop it on.
2: That's 10 good o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. It'll be on here, Rod. We'll, we'll put it on the main screen here. But uh, I will say that uh, you know, that game is at 10 o'clock today. Is that, I mean, you played in bowl games, Rod. But to, if you're SMU and you had a great season, you're going to Boston in December. Mm, Come on, man. Yeah, I'm, I, I was watching Virginia Tech play good. somebody yesterday in the rain. You wonder why guys are opting
1: out and, tra- you know oh, yeah. I mean? and transferring before the bowl. Why don't they want the bowl? Because some of these bowls are not well, attractive. It, if
2: you turn it, it was the military bowl yesterday. It was in Annapolis, Maryland. It was like mm. 50 degrees and pouring down rain. Come on, man. And Tulane was playing uh, oh, Virginia Tech. And I was like, is that even miserable. a treat? sounds yeah. horrible.
1: It's exactly. You know, players are like, I don't want to go to that bowl. These, these bowls are not in exotic, exotic locations and stuff like that or picturesque locales. No. Uh, they're in places where nobody wants Send to visit. Send me to the beach. In the, exactly. In the, hey, I want to go to that bowl. What's the uh, bowl the that Bahamas bowl? Uh, Coach Tim Beck went to? Was that it? Oh, Hawaii. Yeah, oh, the, the was the he had yeah. his shirt off. Hey, with the cheerleaders, pictures of the, the dancing. You know, yeah, yeah. I want to go to that bowl. Yes. <laughs> there were less guys opted out. Speaking of opted out, how about this? So nearly 40 players um, have combined um, to opt out a transfer out of the Orange Bowl between, uh, with Georgia. And Georgia Florida and Florida State. State. Georgia and Florida State.
2: Tate Rottamaker is the yeah. latest, the quarterback.
1: Yeah, they're close to forty players, like transferring, uh, either or opting out. Yes, this bowl games. So, yes, man.
2: Yikes. Depleted uh, roster. I think the game today, K State playing uh, uh, NC State. Thirty-two players in that game have opted out, and are either, are in the portal.
1: It's <laughs> just a, yeah. I mean, exactly. These. I mean, and some of these bowls are actually. I mean, the Orange Bowl is a nice bowl. But it, a, just, it just it doesn't mean, matter to these guys. They got Their priority is we got to get on the roster. I got to get me a scholarship via transfer portal. Or if I'm, you know, deciding to opt out, it's because I'm going to the NFL and that's my priority. Well, speaking the of
2: league. the NFL, Rod, you know, uh, we know the NFL's taken taking over everything. You know, the NBA used to own Christmas Day. Nah, used don't. to own Christmas Day was their day that's to the kind N- of launch.
1: It's the NFL's now, man. Well, yeah.
2: they happen to have a Monday triple header on it's, Christmas Day.
1: Sports calendar. They just take, they want to monopolize it all. They want to literally. Like so there were five
2: <laughs> big NBA games on that day. And if you add up all the viewers for those five games, it doesn't even come close to matching one of the NFL games. I mean, it's it's minuscule in comparison. The, the biggest rating the NBA got was the Warriors Nuggets game, Denver and Golden State. Yeah. A lot of, you know, that's the defending champions against Steph and the, and the Warriors. A little over 4 million people tuned into that game. The Chiefs played the Raiders. Almost 30 million people tuned into the Chiefs Raiders on Christmas Day. Obviously, the Raiders got the big upset. And that, that one, that was also on Nickelodeon. That was the first game at noon. That game topped out at almost 38 million, 38 million people tuning in if you're on Nickelodeon and on
1: Um, The adults are watching that too because they're watching to see what all of the different tricks uh, that they're trying to – these candy cigarettes the NFL is throwing out. there trying to get the viewership of the kids and viewership of young girls uh, to to increase for the NFL, and they're doing a good job. They're doing a good job of it.
0: It was a Christmas miracle for me. I I, oh. I secured my budget for for New Orleans. I'll be having a good oh, time. Oh, you did! Yeah, I picked up every every itself? every underdog. Play, or I had Baltimore money line or Raiders money line, and and the Giants with the points. And nice. It was it was coming off a night in which if the Cowboys would have won, I would have made the most money I've ever made in my life sports betting. So it was <laughs> it, it was Cowboys. a good day. It was a good day.
2: If yeah. the Cowboys would have won, that's a well, famous last word. Well, no, I mean to- that's no
0: saying. The next day, I had a Christmas Day miracle. I made everything back, and then plus some. Now I'm going to have a fun time Raiders, in the world.
2: Antonio Pierce, big win. The Chiefs are a mess, but yeah, 30 million people or so tuned into that game. Giants, Eagles, Ravens, Niners, which was a big surprise. I Want and- to
1: see Taylor Swift and. <laughs> And you know what? There's a great gift now. I'm sure you saw it, Ty, of Taylor Swift consoling Brittany Mahomes. <laughs> and they're shocked by the oh, loss. I, 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 it. The tide oh, is brilliant. finally
0: turning, starting to turn. I'm, I've been telling you all this for weeks. She's, she's getting close to people not liking her. I mean, my, yeah, but That's
1: why the ratings are still high, though. Oh, I know. I
0: know. My, yeah. my girlfriend, she's one of them. She's like, I used to like Taylor Swift, and now I can't stand her. So no, no. It's, it's happening. Just, just watch out, guys. By this time next year, she'll be canceled probably.
1: Um, you know what? Me. Everybody, everybody hates billionaires. Once you become a billionaire, everybody's gonna hate you. And yeah. she's already on the cusp of being a billionaire. Already a billionaire. And and are, are any of our billionaires liked? Who likes the billionaires? It's gonna be you like know, the Elon like Musk, the
0: Elon Musk effect, yeah. where everyone loved him. Everyone loved him, and he makes yeah, one wrong exactly. move, one All wrong move, like and everyone that, hates though. him.
1: All the billionaires are like that. All the billionaires were beloved at one time, and then they end up being hated. It's like, what happened? Oh, no, we hate them. It's because we just hate people right. who accomplish and achieve that much. It's Mar- natural.
2: That's natural. Yeah. It is, and plus, and if they're on the center of attention like Taylor Swift has been for the last 15 years, yeah, and she was a star at say, if, 18.
1: There's a lot to hate about you if you're that rich yeah. and, you, and you're that front popular. center for that <laughs> long, right? Exactly.
2: Yeah. Uh, just the way that goes. Yeah. I would also say Mark Cuban's a billionaire, and now he's even a further billionaire. Yeah. Yesterday, the NBA. Speaking of the NBA, the uh, the governors approved the, the governor. sale. The governors approved the sale of his Dallas Mavericks to the mm. uh, the Sands Casino family. How much? The Adelsons three and a half billion. Oh,
1: that's, I thought I thought it'd be a little bit higher, actually.
2: And it's such a weird oh, deal. No, of, I thought
1: it'd be a little bit Mark higher. Mark Cuban
2: was holding court with the media yesterday, talking about how this is going to work. That he doesn't have an official accepted title of head of basketball operations, but he says I've been told they told me I'm in charge of basketball. Now, they're he, not. They're not basketball. Is he keeping
1: people. any stake in it? A small minority stake? Very small. Very small, but he's selling almost all of his majority yeah, stake. The sale and okay.
2: agreement does not outline a specific Maybe role for Maybe that's why Cuban. it's not as big
1: because it's not night total ownership.
2: Patrick Dumont will be the team's governor. So he's the owner. The governor. The families, the Dumont family and the uh, Adelson family have bought the Mavericks, and Mark Cuban is still in charge, I guess, until he's not. I don't know. I don't know what's it's going weird. on with that deal. It's, weird, it's, a, it's never happened before where an owner sells his team, but he stays in control of the product. For now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, exactly. Something, something weird is happening. It feels like it. It feels like something, something shady is going on. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. We'll hook them up. That's one hour
2: down, four to go on a Thursday. Ian Rodby, tie as well.